Hello and welcome to episode 48 of the Tech Reformation, where the world of technology meets the worldview of Christianity. I'm Ben. I'm Craig. And I'm Derek. And this is the last week that Tank will not be on. He'll be back next week. Yay. Yeah. Maybe not forever, but the last week in a row at least. (laughs) (laughs) This has been a bittersweet week for me, uh, you guys. Uh, My work has just moved locations. So we've moved from it being like... 15 minute drive away um just a nice drive to it being like a four minute walk away from my house which is so sweet but there's one problem what's that the now now i can't uh hit up the poker stops that i'm used to stopping at in the mornings before i go to work <laughs> oh man that sucks isn't that tragic now i have to like walk down to the end of the one road that we're on to get a poke stop and then, you know, back up the road to hit another one, you know, before work, like if I leave like 20 minutes early, if I'm walking, you know, um, whereas before I could hit, there was, there was a spot, there was a really sweet spot where there were four poke stops, like associated with one parking lot and it was fantastic, but no more. I need some help with this whole Pokemon Go thing because I've tried it and I've found <laughs> that every time I've tried it, um, I, this is going to make me sound like an old man who's bad with technology, but um, <laughs> when it loads, which it doesn't every time, sometimes it says uh, crashes or server responsive, uh, server non-responsive or whatever, I think is mainly mm-hmm. the issue. Um, but when it does load, I'll see a thing on my map that says there's something near me and this has happened multiple times in different locations. So, I go to that thing and it's like flashing on the map at me. So I tap it and it brings up like a a card thing that just shows me where I am. It just has a photo of what's in front of me. And I'm like, yes, I'm in the right place. I can see that location, but there's nothing else there. Spin the circle. On top of the thing. Is that what you mean? Are you talking about Pokestops? I think so. They're like locations yeah. on the map that just have like a blue point yes. in them. And a spin yes, thing. yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I had the exact same problem you had. I did not know what to do. To the, Everyone said, you can collect things from Pocus. This was a while ago, but I, I had got it the first day it was out or whatever. And I was like, okay, what do I do here? Because it doesn't, yeah. like, I think it does briefly tell you on the Professor Willow start of the game. But, like, who reads all that crap? I don't. Yeah, no, I skipped all that. I I do. <laughs> <laughs> well, of course you did, Derek. Way to prove me wrong. <laughs> anyway... It's like in the Game Boy games, there's so much text of the characters, and it's like, I'm not reading all this, I'm just pushing A, skipping it so that I can catch the Pokemon. Yes. But anyway, yeah, you just, you spin the circle and then stuff pops out. Okay, cool. I'll yep. try that next time, if I can remember. It makes the game way more fun when you start doing that. Oh yeah, totally. Well, we have a bit of follow-up this week, and first I wanted to mention, as I, uh, as my data was throttled last week over being everyone's tech support for everything, most things that I have no idea about, um, <laughs> the Lord saw fit to humble me a bunch this week. Uh, one in that my brother got mad that I said anything about it because uh, he uses me as tech support all the time in like a, a friendly way. But anyway, yeah, yeah. Th- the real one was uh, I was at church this week and this sweet old lady who I did not know uh, came up and said, I think I was on my, my computer and she was like, you look like you're good with computers. And I was like, <laughs> um, maybe. And she said, could I ask you something? And what am I going to say no to this poor lady? Like, of course not. <laughs> yeah. What's up? I'll help you with whatever you want. And so she ended up asking me a question about, um, logos, the Bible software, right? Which I don't have, I don't know anything about it. It uh-huh. was like a, a passage list feature. 
And so I'm just Googling away for this lady because I just feel so bad that she's got this really expensive software that she doesn't know how to use. And uh, Why didn't you just tell her about Olive Tree? Sponsor! Well, she already had she already had purchased Logos, so she was asking me about software she owned. And so I was like, well, I don't have it. I don't know. And, but then I was like, I'm not just gonna, I'm not just gonna leave this poor lady to fend for herself. And so then I, I find this Google link, right? And, uh, it kind of explains how to do it or something. And sh- I was like, could I, can I email this to you? And she goes, yeah, sure. Here's my email address. Could you also put your phone number in there? <laughs> and I was like, oh, sure. So, uh, it was just kind of funny. And, but you know, I mean, that, it was, I kind of talked about last week, good ways and bad ways to ask for tech support. And that was one of the best. So, I mean, it was, it was nice, uh, that the Lord gave me the grace to be able to help somebody in the body with, uh, with something. So that was, mm-hmm. that so was wait, really cool. An old lady got your phone number. Yeah. yeah oh. that's what happened. Have you told your wife about this? Uh, <laughs> totally out of context. That is what happened, but I don't think that that piece of information would be helpful. So, <laughs> any text without a, a context is a pretext, but whatever. At Zach Burnham on Twitter was indignant that in our silly discussion of Scrivener, we never mentioned the fact that the iOS version was just released like last week. So, yeah, by the way, I just never mentioned it because I kind of didn't think it was relevant. But yeah, if you're into uh, writing like long, full length stuff, Scrivener on iOS is out now. And I've heard it's very good from people who know what they're talking about. So anyway. We, I think Craig and I convinced you that uh, it wasn't relevant. So that's, I guess, our fault, maybe, <laughs> Craig? I don't know. Nah. I don't know that we've... I, I think it was directly relevant. We were talking about Scrivener already. It's just whether or not it's big news. <laughs> like, yeah, right. For the number of people that we expect would want to use it. But hey, obviously yeah. someone out there cares. So. And finally, for follow-up this week, we had actually a lot of follow-up. I was surprised uh, folks who are using the iOS 10 public beta yeah. on what I assume is their main device, because I don't know anybody who's not like a tech journalist who has more than one like two iPhones. iPhone, but yeah, yeah, but, but yeah, I mean, that, that was pretty neat. Yeah. We got, uh, Colin Funkhauser, Joshua Poles, uh, David McCookie, Travis Brown, Drew Fennell, a bunch of other people too. And, and most people seem to like it. Um, aside from small glitches, I, on the other hand, am really, really getting frustrated with it now. <laughs> So you see why I deleted it. Yeah. Unfortunately, I was one of the fools who did not back up a full backup to my computer before installing it. So I can't revert at all without losing all of my data. And I'm one of those people who like keeps, have kept all, all the text messages from my wife on my phone. Like since we started, you know, dating type of stuff. So I really don't want to lose all that. So I'm just stuck with the iOS 10 beta, which, which is okay. Which is okay. It's, it's good. Except for the terrible, awful audio glitch. I used to feel that way about text messages also, Derek. Um, Mm -hmm. But then when I thought for a few minutes about how I would access all of those text messages, because you know the (laughs) UI for that sucks. You just scroll to the top, wait for them to load, scroll to the top, wait for them to load, ad infinitum. And the farther back in time you go, the longer it takes for them to load. And so I was just, at one point I was just like, yeah, I'm never going to go look at these anymore. And I just (laughs) started with a fresh fresh os but i totally understand i was just about to ask how long how how often you read them uh we we've gone back and read them a, a couple times actually i have an application let me find it here that that actually will back up all of my messages oh that's cool uh, and tanya and tanya and i do like to look back through them from time to time quick uh 
quick tech you should use once I can find the the phone view. Phone view. It's kind of an old app, actually, and I'm afraid it's going to break here in, in the next couple of OS X updates. No, Mac OS updates. Um, but, you know, it works for now. Oh, it's by Ecamm. Yeah. Yep. Ecamm does Call Recorder, too. That's so interesting. Oh, yeah, that's right. I totally forgot about that. But, yeah. Did you buy this? Yeah, I did. I bought it. Cause, um, but it's worth it for what you're using it for. That's cool. Yeah, right. Just exports it as nice PDF, and uh, uh, you can search through that and find, you know, if if you know of certain places where you definitely talked about a certain thing, then you know you can pretty easily find it. So that's really interesting. I'm gonna have to look into this because I wonder how far back the like iCloud history goes. Do they just pull it out of the cache from the the actual application? I guess they they pull it out of. Um, well, you, you have to import them directly off of your iPhone, so it'll only go back as far as messages on your iPhone are stored. Right. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Makes sense. So cool. Yeah. Shall we do the news? Indeed. And we're into Tech You Should Know, the part of the show where we bring you seven tech news topics from throughout the past week that we feel are worth your consideration. Google launches Family Library, a way for families to share Google Play purchases. It allows up to six family members to share their purchases from Google Play across devices. This includes the ability to share movies, TV shows, books, apps, and games across Android phones and tablets, and in some cases across the web, iOS, and other connected TV platforms like Roku, Android TV, Smart TVs, and more. Music, meanwhile, can be streamed by up to six family members via Google Play Music's family plan. This is really cool and I'm excited about it. Yeah, I hope this kicks Apple in the butt to actually get their family sharing thing together. Because right now it's pretty bad. Agreed. Agreed. It is terrible. The interface is awful. Well, and the functionality doesn't work either. Like, especially with... Well, I guess this doesn't address photos. But photos is the biggest pain point for me and Tanya right now. We can't figure out how to share them. I mean, I'm sure I could figure out some nerdy way to share them, you know, regularly. But we're never going to keep up with that. We just use Google Photos and it, it works for us. It's annoying that you don't get the native, you know, like in text messages when you tap the camera icon and it mm-hmm. gives you the most recent, you don't get that if you use right. Google Photos because I dump everything off my device. So that that sucks, but everything else has been a lot better um, on Google Photos. But anyway, um, yeah, I, I mean, the family sharing thing is cool because I remember when I started getting eBooks, even back on Kindle. Um, oh, yeah. A long time ago. And my biggest caveat or concern was always, if I want to share a book with someone that I really like, I can't just give them the book. In fact, there's really not any way, or at least then there wasn't any way to share it legally, of course, mm-hmm. um, with somebody else. And that really sucks. And so, it's one of the big um, drawbacks of digital stuff. But it seems like we're moving to a world where you will be able to share at least with your family and eventually maybe with other people. That would be cool. Yeah, yeah. Microsoft launches yet another camera app powered by AI. Called Microsoft Pix, it employs some artificial intelligence smarts to help make sure you take the best pictures by eliminating human error through batch captures and by enhancing image color, exposure, and other variables that can make the difference between drab and dramatic for your snapshots. Hopefully it's not built on Tay. (laughs) (laughs) Apple has officially sold its billionth iPhone. 
said Tim Cook when he was announcing this news, iPhone has become one of the most important, world-changing, and successful products in history. It's become more than a constant companion. iPhone is truly an essential part of our daily life and enables much of what we do throughout the day. Last week, we passed another major milestone when we sold the billionth iPhone. We never set out to make the most, but we've always set out to make the best products that make a difference. Thank you to everyone at Apple for helping change the world every day. Yay, Apple! That's seriously pretty impressive, though. Yeah, that is really that is cool. a huge number. <laughs> Oculus adds support for four tracking cameras on the Rift. Oculus Home was updated this past week to include support for up to four trackers on the Rift and Touch. This added functionality is likely a direct appeal to Steam game developers who haven't yet been able to develop motion-controlled games for the Oculus Rift, as the company prepares to release its touch controllers later this year. Four trackers could ultimately improve accuracy and set a new standard for VR setups in the future, unless, of course, you're the HTC Vive and are already doing this. Verizon has agreed to buy Yahoo for $4.83 billion. In a press release, the internet service provider said that Yahoo will be integrated with AOL, which Verizon acquired last year for $4.4 billion. Under the deal, Verizon will acquire Yahoo's online brands and email service, which has around 225 million monthly active users worldwide. In addition to Yahoo's more than 1 billion users, Verizon will gain the web giant's Brightroll programmatic ad service, as well as other advertising and analytics services. In a letter to employees posted on Tumblr, Yahoo CEO Marissa Meyer added that the deal, quote, will help us achieve tremendous scale on mobile, adding that Verizon opens the door to extensive distribution opportunities. She has also said that she will be staying on at the company, though it is not clear what her role will be. Interesting. I wondered how that would shake out. Is it Meyer or Mayer? Do you know? I'm pretty sure it's Meyer. I think I've heard people saying it Meyer. Cool. But either way. Well, I don't know about you guys, but pretty much nothing gets me jazzed up about AOL plus Yahoo plus Verizon. <laughs> so, Yeah, um, it's kind of all the companies I don't care about. I mean, yeah. I really I really wanted Yahoo to be able to make it under Mar- Marissa Meyer, but that that was a job that I'm not sure a lot of people could have uh made happen. And I'm sure yeah, Marissa Meyer did fair. did her darndest, but yeah. It's a shame. They've they've been doing a lot of cooler stuff certainly since she got there. I just don't think it was quite enough to come back from the abyss, if you will. Yeah. Yeah, but. even after they after they bought Tumblr, Tumblr started going down. Um yeah. and Poor Yahoo. Uh, Nintendo shares have skyrocketed since Pokemon Go's release, but they fell dramatically after investors realized that Nintendo doesn't actually make the game. Nintendo put out a statement after the close of trading last Friday, pointing out that the bottom line impact will be limited as it only owns 32% of the Pokemon company, and that revenue from the game and its Pokemon Go Plus smartwatch peripheral has been accounted for in the company's current forecasts. Pokemon Go is actually a collaboration between the Pokemon Company and Niantic Labs, the developer who previously created the similar AR game Ingress as part of Google. And I'm pretty sure we got this wrong when we first reported on it, too, and I just never got around to correcting that. But yeah, Nintendo is not actually responsible for Pokemon Go. Oh, I don't think we got... Did we get that wrong? I did. I definitely got it wrong. I remember when I was writing up stories, I thought it was, I thought it was Nintendo, but... It was oh, probably just a side, well, you know, in a side. Well, there definitely was there definitely was the 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 share price spike for Nintendo. They oh, went yeah. up like 
eight billion in valuation or something like that. It's because everyone um, thought Nintendo was behind it. Right. I thought that was always said, but okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, good correction if if we did say that wrong. But yeah, this is really funny. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Uh, but it you know, I hope this shows Nintendo that they should get some of their popular IP out there on mobile phones. Just give us a Mario game on iPhone already. Yeah, or Sonic. Wait, does Nintendo even own Sonic? Ah, oh, I love Sonic. No, uh, there are Sonic games on iOS, actually. So you should go get those. Who owns Sonic? Sonic was Sega before it was Nintendo. Sega. Yeah. Sega doesn't isn't owned by Nintendo? Cut all of this out. Never mind. I'm an idiot. Please continue. <laughs> <laughs> but you can get Sonic on Wii and stuff, so it's been put across, obviously. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe their share price will go up, up once that weird new Nintendo NES mini thing comes out. Yeah. Maybe yeah. pe- people get a, a resurgence of interest in old Nintendo apps. Okay, wait a minute. 2013, Nintendo nabs exclusive rights to the Sonic the Hedgehog. Oh, there you go. Yeah, but say it's Sonic has also been... I'm confused now. Yeah, I don't know why Sonic has gotten special treatment that it has gotten to be on iOS devices and Android devices. Yeah, because there are Sonic games. Yeah, yep. Maybe they're just not precious about Sonic, and they, they're just very precious over Mario and... I don't know. Interesting. How about Zelda? Uh, well, Zelda, they're pretty precious of too. Yeah. But anyway, making good on its promises last month that it would soon be launching a new way for users to decorate the photos they're sharing across its network, Twitter has officially rolled out stickers. With the launch, users can browse through a library of accessories, emoji, and other props that they can then place on top of photos, resize, and rotate. And I believe that's only on mobile. I don't think you can do those through the website. No good can come from this. <laughs> Why? Is it because it's like Snapchat, Craig? We've already A little, done this. yeah. It's it's cheapening <laughs> what is supposed to be an art form. Photography is an art form. <laughs> Sticking stickers on top of it is not. Unless you're a three-year-old, in which case, well done on your artwork. <laughs> oh. Well, then I want to be a three-year-old, Craig. Burn. Just kidding. Yeah. I guess it depends what you use your Twitter photos for, hey. If you're just doing little silly photos of, of yourself or something, like selfies and stuff, then go for it. Yeah. Sticker the heck out of that thing. I doubt people will be putting that many stickers on, like, pictures of beautiful canyons or, you know, amazing <laughs> sunsets. Could you imagine some big dinosaur <laughs> sticker or something over the top of a canyon? Oh, goodness. Dancing, a dancing gif of, like, a, a dinosaur on the edge of a canyon. I reckon that would... It could be a new thing for landscape photography. Who knows? <laughs> if any of our listeners uh, live close to a beautiful canyon, feel free to take a picture of that and send us a picture on Twitter with a sticker <laughs> of a dinosaur. <laughs> for all you Arizona live, uh, Arizona residents or Central Australian listeners. There you go. Are there canyons in Arizona? Probably not. It's just a desert, right? Yeah, I forget where the canyons are, honestly. I'm a bad American. Remember when we were we were gonna do seven stories in seven minutes? We tried. Eh, <laughs> <laughs> Good thing we have chapters, I guess. Sometimes we do it. Anyway. That's all the take you should know this week. If we left out something you think we should have mentioned, please feel free to email us at ask at techreformation.com. And for more tech you should know throughout the week, follow us on Twitter at TechReformation.
And now it's time for Tech You Should Use, the part of the show where we feature one technology that we use and like and think that uh, you might use it and like it also. This week, I am going to talk about Polymail, which is a an email client for Mac and iOS. For those who don't have those platforms, I'm sorry. I think they probably will eventually roll out on other platforms, so maybe you could just salivate and uh, sign up on their website for an email or something when it happens. I don't know. Longtime listeners of the show will remember that I am fond of not using native apps for common tasks like email and calendar. Um, <laughs> and I've found the email app to rule them all, um, and it is called Polymail. Their website is polymail.io. Uh, they just went free within the last week or two. Um, and so it was an invite system. Uh, it was an invite system, kind of like Mailbox when they came out because of, basically just because of traffic. They didn't want to have, they didn't want to pull a Pokemon Go and just crash all the time. So they <laughs> used an invite system. Um, but it just went out live for everybody free. It's, it's all free um, this past week. And I've been using it for a while. I got an invite a uh, little late in the game, um, but was using it back on the invite system. Um, and now I'm still using it because it's fantastic. It's free. It's on Mac and iOS. Some of the cool features uh, that I love are they've uh, got the swipe interface that we've come to expect in all of our mail client apps, except for iOS mail for some reason. I don't know why Apple hasn't figured this out, but they haven't. Um, but essentially, there's a short swipe and a long swipe on both the right and the left. And they do things like archive, trash, list, or snooze. Um, this was made popular by Mailbox back in the day. And uh, pretty much all the good mail apps use that same interface. Polymail has you, it. You know that Apple Mail does actually have swipe. Uh, oh, yeah. Swipe they numbers. have their own version of swipes, but they did not figure out how to do swipes right. Okay, I'll give you, you can't that. do this. Sh- I mean, yeah, I, I know I know you can swipe and you get some more options, but the long you really only have a long swipe, which is delete, and a uh, I think there's another long swipe the other side that's archive by default. But then the one of the swipes to the side reveals a few other options like unread and things like that. Mm-hmm. It's just not the sort of common interface that everyone's negotiated and agreed on is the best. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe that's just my opinion. That's fine. No, I mean, I I, I tend to agree with you. It's it's. The swipes are minimally useful at best. Yeah. They also have snoozes in Polymail, which is a feature on email that I've come to really need in terms of my workflow. And that is because I'm a bad, bad person and I use email as a to-do app, which I should not be doing. (gasps) Sometimes I do it. Yeah. And so my inbox uh, has, you know, typically with a bad email app has um, a bunch of emails in it. But with snoozes, you can swipe uh, to the left. I think it's a short swipe to the left. And you can set it to uh, go out of your inbox and come back into it at a certain time. So I can snooze it until tomorrow, or I can snooze it until next week, or I can snooze it to a month out or something like that, or a a custom time. And the interface for that's really good. A lot of people have tried snoozes, but haven't been able to figure out the interface and all the options really well. Like um, Inbox, for example, has the concept of snoozes also, but I don't think that their UI is quite as good as it could be um, because they don't give you enough options. They, I think they wanted to um, do a better job than somebody like Airmail who has too many options, um, but I, I don't think they've kind of found the happy medium. I think Polymail has. Snoozes are, I believe, across both iOS and Mac, so desktop and mobile. If you snooze on the Mac, you'll get it on the mobile. I, I think that's correct. I could be wrong. They also have a feature that I've not seen anywhere else, which is really cool, read receipts. I love read receipts. I, I think they're great. I don't know why everyone who has an iPhone doesn't turn them on 
uh, I encourage my friends all the time to turn on the reverse seats, and most of them just say, no, I don't want people to know. Because because they don't want people to know that they're ignoring them. <laughs> but I use read receipts because it keeps me honest. So if someone knows that I've read it, it, like if I've read it, I want them to know I've read it so that way I can't ignore them. That's just a personal thing, though. I'm not telling everyone they should do that. I'm just mm-hmm. saying it helps keep me personally honest, and that's why I like it. Well, uh, Polymail has introduced read receipts on email. I don't know how they did this technically, but essentially, whenever I send an email to anyone in Polymail and you read it, I know that you read it. You opened it. And that's pretty amazing. You can actually, there's two features there, too. You can set it to just open just send me a read receipt when they open it the first time, which is what I have. Or um, previously, it was every time someone opens it, send me a read receipt, which uh, there may be some use for that also. But I just want to know what the first time they saw it. Mm-hmm. Um, Actually, Airmail, Airmail does that too. It, it surprised me. There was one update that I got to Airmail. And I'm like, all of a sudden, wait, I can add read receipts when I send my email? It's like, whoa. Well, so... So yeah, Airmail did have that as well. I was on Airmail before I was on Polymail, um, mm-hmm. but Airmail's was really buggy and didn't work right all the time for, ah. as far as I tested and noticed. But I have not tried the iOS app. I didn't, and I never tried the iOS app either. Airmail's yeah. 10 bucks on um, Mac and I think five on iOS. Polymail's free, yeah. so that's another reason to use it. I was always on the go. beta of Airmail. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, and then uh, they just added when they went live for everybody with no invites, they added Outlook and Office 365. They just had uh, iCloud and Gmail. So if you have any of those email services, you can use it. And then one thing that came out this week, uh, well, actually, one more feature. Uh, one-click unsubscribe, which I've seen on um, Easily Do's email app for the first time, but Polymail implemented it also, and I think they did it better personally. Um, so they have one-click unsubscribe if you're in... Uh, Mac or or iOS, you can just click a button and it unsubscribes you from newsletters or um, services that might send you emails that you don't want anymore. And then the last one I'll mention is a feature that came out this week called Share Links, which I haven't seen anybody else do either. Maybe I could be wrong on that, like the read receipts thing. But uh, Share Links, you can, this is crazy, you can click a button on uh, in Polymail that will give you a URL link to a their hosted website, I guess, which is a web browser version, readable version of anybody who has the link of any email. So it's like if I want to send someone, an, like uh. if I want to show people an email, I can just share, use the share link instead of forwarding it or I could use this as an archive link, which I've already done for mm-hmm. rather than trying to search through or use folders or whatever. I think it's really cool um, and frankly easier than forwarding and getting all the weird clunky forward text that you always get and the changed subject lines and all that crap. Um, so yeah, th- there's a couple of the features that I like. There's more, obviously it sends emails and receives them. Um, <laughs> I've tried some that, that have trouble with that and I can't usually <laughs> keep those for too long. Um, I know I'm kind of an email power user, which Derek has rightly pointed out in the past. So this may not be right for everybody. If Apple mail works for you and you don't need anything more than that, then don't let me distract you or your workflow. But uh, if you're more of a power user like me, or if it just sounds interesting, everything I've just described, check out Polymail. It is free on iOS and Mac. It, it seems like there's a renaissance of uh, mail apps recently. Like, everybody's trying to find the, the perfect mail app, and there's a couple... Like, I haven't heard of this one, though, before. It sounds interesting. Yeah, um, they're relatively small. They're actually going to Y Combinator uh, in this upcoming class. So it's it's a very new thing. Mailbox was sort of the king of third-party uh, mail apps, right? You remember them, I'm sure. They they sort yeah. of introduced snoozes for the first time 
at, at least in the popular level that I saw. And uh, then they got bought by Dropbox, and Dropbox shut them down within mm-hmm. the last couple months. And I was so sad. Um, but Polymail, I feel like, does everything Mailbox did and more. So if you miss Mailbox, you might check out Polymail. And uh, that is tech you should use this week. If you have any tech you want us to cover, uh, we've gotten requests in the past from folks in the Slack and on Twitter, uh, please send us an email. That's that's the best place to send us tech that we th- that you think we should uh, cover in tech you should use. You can email us at ask at techreformation.com with the subject line, potential tech you should use, question mark? No, you don't have to make that subject line, but uh, that would be helpful to us. Sponsoring us this week is Olive Tree, the Bible study software. If you're looking for Bible software that lets you take it a little bit at a time, you don't have to get like tons of, of commentaries or resources all at one time that you get super overwhelmed with and you can't absorb them all, you know, in in any way. Uh, Olive Tree is a fantastic way to to do that. So the thing with Olive Tree, as I'm sure you've heard before on the podcast, is that uh, you all the apps are free. Uh, you get a bunch of translations uh, right off the bat that you can you know start playing around with. You can compare different translations in the same window with with their split screen feature. And once you start getting into commentaries, you know you can buy them a la carte, so you can go in and get Calvin's commentaries um, and you know, bring that up on one side of the screen and, you know, read along with that as you're reading scripture. So you can do the work of a Berean and absolutely, you know, check what the people that you're reading, uh, you know, are saying according to the Bible, where they're talking about in the Bible. It's really great. So like I said, you can download the apps for free, Android, iOS, Mac, PC, uh, basically any device except for, you know, BlackBerry, although BlackBerry is making Android phones now. But anyway, um, you can download those apps for free, get yourself some, uh, some translations and then slowly start building your library over time with, with commentaries or, uh, resources that you're interested in reading and, uh, and reading alongside the Bible. If you would like to buy any resources, you may use our coupon code, which is new, you should use the code TECH for 20% off of most purchases on Olive Tree. And thank you to Olive Tree for supporting Tech Reformation this week. Hey Dan, what do Scarlett Johansson, Jack London, and Richard Dawkins all have in common? Probably that they're all more famous than I am. Well, besides that, they actually all share the same worldview. And here at the Art of Redemption podcast, we do too. During the show, your hosts, Daniel, Cody, and Roy, take on entertainment and the arts from a Reformed Christian worldview. The media that surrounds us is always making a thousand different arguments on how we should answer the most basic questions of our existence. Like, where do we come from? Why is the world so messed up? And is there anything we can do to fix it? Are you prepared to understand those arguments? Let us help you do exactly that. We take apart movies, music, paintings, and more, and then we examine the worldviews within. Next, we face them up against God's revealed truth and see how they hold up. And it usually isn't very pretty. Join our conversation on iTunes or your favorite podcast catcher under The Art of Redemption as we look at the media around us and ask not only what it means, but why.
And that brings us into Theology from the Headlines, the part of the show where we take one particular topic and go a little bit deeper and try and work out how we as Christians should respond to that topic in an ever-changing tech world. And this week we are talking about uh, a topic that has come up before in our episodes. I know we did an episode on uh, smartphone addiction. We did an episode about an article um, from Rosaria Butterfield um, on a similar topic to this. Um, but this one came up and I saw it recently um, and it's there was two articles actually, one both from Desiring God, one called How, How Should Christians Comment Online um, and the other one called How Would Jesus Respond Online, which sounds like a Jesus Duke, but it's actually quite a good article. Um, and the reason that these sort of piqued my interest was because we had Tim Challies on a few episodes ago um, and those people who listened to that would have remembered that he used the word bonehead quite a few times um, throughout <laughs> that episode. And a couple of times it was in reference to uh, the fact that that Christians or people in general, but um, Christians included, uh, have this tendency to, to comment quickly and sometimes without need or um, I guess without being properly qualified to comment on what they're commenting on. Mm-hmm. Um, and... And I think that's a tendency we've probably all seen, if not in ourselves, elsewhere on the web. Um, and social media is obviously the biggest biggest one for that. So I guess I just wanted to, to talk about it today um, and and sort of revisit that a little bit without going too um, much into what we've been on before, hopefully. I'll just read a little bit from, from one of the articles, How Would Jesus Respond Online? And then we'll, we'll kickstart the, the discussion. So it says, we are probably more responsive today than ever before partly because we now have the tools to respond publicly to anyone or anything and at any time we see fit. We can post, like, tweet and retweet and we are delighted to do so. We love to respond. No, we need to respond, don't we? Um, And then it goes on to to talk about how, um, you know, sometimes the response is appropriate, tragic and heartbreaking events happen and seem to be happening at an increasing rate. It can be good and right for Christians to respond in a timely, grace-filled and truthful manner but our compulsion to respond runs much deeper than pivotal events in society and culture. So I guess at the outset, I want like, I want to just open it up and um, want you guys to talk about that. What do you think about that? Is that true? And if it is true, I guess, what do you think it is that drives our need to respond to things so quickly? Yes. And sin. (laughs) Explain. (laughs) Should we wrap that one there or uh, is there just kidding? (laughs) Anybody got any records this week? (laughs) um yeah i mean i don't sure i'll unpack that um yes i i do think it's true we do feel the need to respond at least i do and if my experience is normative then yes we feel the need to respond um and i think chally's you know talked a lot about this also like you mentioned um but it was kind of like why do we feel like almost like in an adam and eve sense why do we feel like we need to reinterpret everything we experience for it to have meaning um, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's a sin nature thing. I think ultimately, oh, yeah. um, the rugged marriage did a good job a while back talking about the, the social media, like I've got to check Twitter every few moments to know what's going on in the world is sort of a desire to have God's omniscience. I think that's related. Uh, but I think further it's that again, we feel like if we don't reinterpret what we're seeing, then it doesn't have meaning or, or maybe it's even more prideful, like I've I've done this before and have to repent of it every time, uh, but it's like, I have something to, special to say on this. Like, I have more knowledge about this than everyone else, and if I don't say it, then uh, 
then people won't know how to think about it or something. Mm-hmm. And so even like, even like with this podcast, we can, the, the four of us can maybe even tend towards that way about the topics we talk about. But I mean, that's obviously not the desire. It's just that we would get the conversation started more than feel like we have the final and ultimate authoritative say on how to handle this certain issue as a Christian. Yeah, that's, that's good. Derek, got any thoughts? Yeah, it's very easy to jump in and defend yourself on a topic without needing to defend yourself on a topic. And, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes That's you good. can let people be wrong on the internet. And, uh, no, or- you cannot, Derek. No. <laughs> I stay up at night because coming? someone's wrong on the internet, Derek. Oh, man. <laughs> Well, and I think it it makes it very easy, like the internet makes it very easy to respond to to controversial things that we feel very passionately about because that we may not, you know, engage with in real life, quote unquote, quote unquote, real life, because you can take as much time as you want to craft your response perfectly. And Mm -hmm. uh, you don't have to deal with the in-person conflict, you know, the adrenaline that rises up, you know, uh, that, you know, makes it hard to respond in, in real life that, you know, um, and I would actually not to, not to rabbit trail, you know, right away, but, uh, <laughs> I would use this but as to a, go ahead and rabbit trail right but away. To go, <laughs> what were you going to say? <laughs> but to go ahead and rabbit trail right away. Um, I would say that the, the, this is where the idea of, uh, this would be a, a great point to um, support the thesis that technology is not neutral. Oh, no, I was afraid this was going to happen. <laughs> because, because, okay, so think about this. Someone who who would perhaps not respond sinfully in real life to a certain comment may respond sinfully on the internet because the internet makes it easy to respond sinfully. Therefore, making a different the technology makes a difference in how we respond and relate to people. It's not a neutral thing. We have to so so this is why I'm sorry, but this is why we have to think about you know the ways that we use technology and how technology influences us morally as well as you know how we you know react to things you know with with different technologies. Okay. I'm going to give Ben one minute to do pushback on that, and then I want to ask a follow-up question that's related to what Derek just said. Okay. Oh, really? Wait, are we going down the neutrality route, or are we going back to the topic? <laughs> We're going back to the topic, but if you want to okay. say something quickly, cool. you can. Well, that. I was, for the sake of not totally torpedo, torpedoing this whole episode, I was Well, just you could say... allow Derek to be wrong on the internet is the other option. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, I was just going to... I mean, I'm not saying that you're wrong, Derek. I'm, no, I know. I, all I'm saying is... Uh, <laughs> that was a joke, All I'm saying yeah. is... Yeah. All I'm saying is I disagree. I think I disagree at least with the way words are being used, but for the sake of this episode, I'm going to leave it there and we can move on. And maybe maybe we really do need to do a, a part two on that because uh-huh. there's more to be said. There. Yeah, I would, I would enjoy that. Okay. So, something Derek said in there was um, going to be something that I brought up a little bit later on in the conversation, but I think it makes sense to talk about it now. Um, I guess something that I was thinking through when thinking about this particular topic is that um, inherent in social media, seeing as how that's the main, let's be honest, social media is the main um, component of technology or the main thing here that we're talking about Mm -hmm. in terms of commenting. Um, Inherent in that is, is both a promise um and also a reality and so i think the promise is um it will bring you closer together it will allow you to connect with people much easier 
um, you'll be able to have more constant relationships mm-hmm. um, and stay in touch with things a lot easier. Yep. Um, the reality is that it separates you from people. It means that you respond on your schedule rather than actually being a friend and have, you know making time to catch up with someone when it's convenient for them. Um, and you can respond from anywhere. It doesn't have to be anywhere near where that person is, or you don't even have to know who that person is. Right. So, I think those two things are both true in different ways, and they're also in tension with each other in different ways. Um, and so, I guess, how do we, how should we be thinking about that tension? Which one of those should we be more aware of? Should we be, should we be trying to redeem the good part of, you know, like the, should we be trying to focus on the good aspects of social media? and use those well, or should we be aware of its limitations in our relationships and what it can do to our relationships, or is there some kind of balance that we need to be having between those two aspects? Well, number one, don't say balance again. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> it's it's a homage to episode one. Yeah. <laughs> and two we and three and four. Balance. <laughs> seven, five, and six, and seven. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Is there a tension we need to manage? Is that a better way to say it? Yeah. There, no, there's definitely a line. I mean, both both need to be considered. There's there's drawbacks and there's advantages to social media. You can have deep, meaningful conversations with someone um, who is receptive to the conversation that you don't meet, you know, every day uh, or that you don't, you know, get to hang out with much, maybe, you know, once a year. I, I don't know. You, maybe you haven't seen them for six years. Um, but you can still uh, have a meaningful conversation with them. Or you can uh, comment on a s- person you've known six years back with a scathing rebuke that doesn't land well at all. And so there's balances, clearly. Yeah, you might even say, uh, I mean, there definitely are pros and cons. You might even say it's all in how you use it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> just kidding. I really just selected this topic so that we could have this circular thing between you. <laughs> Let's make it really passive aggressive and subversive. Is that okay? Just throughout the whole thing. <laughs> and just kind of totally, you know, ignore the whole point of this episode and the whole yeah. thrust of what it should be talking about. Yeah, sure. No, I'm really done. Um, I promise. I'm sorry. But I want to get you guys' opinions on this as well because the other article starts with a really interesting paragraph. It says that reading people's comments online is an interesting and sometimes troubling study in human nature and reading comments by professing Christians can be a discouraging study in applied theology. Now, Ben is studying at seminary, so he, sh- he should have an answer for this. What do you think they're meaning by that? What do you, what do you think it means when, um, you know, when we see comments from Christians online um, and what is it, what would it mean for that to be a dis- discouraging study in applied theology? Oh, okay. I, I see what you're saying. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I, so I thought of, when I read it at first, I actually didn't go the direction I, it sounds like you're going. So I'll tell you both. One, when I read it at first, I'd answer with a story earlier this week. Um, one of my friends tweeted, that's it. I can't do it anymore. I deleted the Facebook app from my phone. Um, and I said, I tweeted back, why not? And he said, can't take the comment section anymore. Too much hate. And, uh, I s- replied kind of snarkily, what more proof could we need of total depravity? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, I've, I joke with friends that 80% of my tweets are really only so that, uh, I can, people can ask me why I tweet about Jesus so much, uh, in, in the real world. 
but it actually that that conversation generated uh we're gonna, that friend and I are going to read uh chosen by God together and so um you know the internet can be redeemed it doesn't just have to be rejected um even comment boxes but uh that was kind of what I thought they meant but I think maybe what it sounds like you're saying is when Christians comment in a way that doesn't seem very Christian um you know your theology of regeneration kind of gets blown up at a practical level right um mm-hmm. But I don't know. It doesn't really because we don't think that regeneration means you're sinless, right? I mean, no, we don't think I that people are Christians. Not. Yeah, yeah, me too. We we definitely don't think that the people who are Christians and the people who are not. The difference there is, you know, one group is good and one group's bad. That's not what we're saying at all. Right. Thank goodness we're not saved by our works. Yeah. Hallelujah. And I think I, I wonder if maybe it is. I think that sentence was just interesting to me because it can mean multiple things and and without sounding too postmodern, they could multiple things could also be right <laughs> in terms of what that means. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it could just mean that, you know, applied theology, discouraging applied theology because they have terrible theology and they're applying that in the real world and it's not going down well with people. Um, it could also mean, uh, and it's also not reflecting well on, on their faith and on um, the truth of the Christian message. Um, and then I thought, you know, I was listening to the Happy Rant podcast recently and they were, they were kind of tongue in cheek, I think, um, bagging, uh, the Calvinist movie that Les Lamphy is making. Um, which, oh, really? Yeah. They were just saying like, Bar- Barnabas Park was saying, no one's going to watch this except for Calvinists. Calvinists are the only ones who like talking about Calvinism <laughs> and all this kind of thing. Um, and, and sometimes... I mean, I mean, at the time I was like, ooh, ooh, that hurts a little bit. But then I was like, why does it hurt? It hurts because it's kind of true. Like, I think even for those of us who've, who've now been in and amongst Calvinism for a while, there's still, and Ben, when you said, you know, you did a tweet earlier this week about total depravity, I think yeah. I've done the same sort of thing. And then when I do that, I often go, why am I doing that? Like, do I feel the need <laughs> to push Tulip every, every time there's an opportunity or, um, is there a better and maybe more subtle, less hit you in the head with the Bible way of communi- communicating the truth of um, what Calvinists believe? Um, and so, yeah, I just found that interesting because I thought, um, you know, for us as a, a reformed or reforming or Calvinistic community, whichever one of those titles you like to use, um, yeah, I think we, we need to be careful about how we apply our theology in the public realm, I suppose. Um and make sure that we're not using it as some kind of, you know, I'm not in my cage stage until I get on social media and then I go back to being in my cage um, <laughs> yeah, right. type of thing, which I think is maybe a tendency for some people. I know it probably has been for me in the past, particularly when I was a little bit newer to it. Um, so, yeah, anyway, does anyone have any comments on that before we move on? Or? Yeah, so I think I think this is definitely related. One of the things that I saw in the article, How Would Jesus Respond Online, that you're talking about, um, that stuck out to me, and I totally agree in my own experience. Uh, he says, we're much more focused on our next word than the heart that motivated the criticism or accusation. We forget in a day and time of easy and cheap social interactions and confrontations that the ones on the other side of the tweet are actually people made in the image of God. Mm-hmm. That to me is the heart of the issue. Um, at least when you're talking about how Christians comment online, um, because like I've noticed, it is so true. Like we've yeah. been complimented here at least once that I can remember about how we handle disagreeing with each other. 
And when I think about that compliment, the last thing I do is think, man, I'm so good. Because the first thought I thought was, <laughs> that's not true. I'm terrible at disagreeing with people. <laughs> um, but I've realized like with you guys, I'm not as bad at is it because I'm not as bad at it because we have genuine relationship. Like I love you guys. Mm -hmm. I know you guys love me. I'm not interested in being totally rude to you for no reason or completely misrepresenting you intentionally or even unintentionally. I'm really concerned about actually saying things that you affirm and then responding to those rather than some straw man or something else. Mm -hmm. uh, and to me, it all comes back to, obviously, it's the grace of God, but it's the grace of God manifested in specifically genuine relationship with others. And you don't get yeah. that on on comment boxes, typically. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like... There's almost uh, a tendency to want to say things like on Twitter or on Facebook, like posting about something that, you know, posting about the gospel in, in some way or another, like, and, and thinking that that is like, we're called to preach the gospel and, but is a Facebook post really the way to do that? I, I think there's a lot of people that I've seen uh, get used to like, that are used to, you know, posting, preaching basically from a uh, Facebook status that mm. I think have forgotten the fact that we do, that we should care about the people on the other end rather than just spit the gospel word for word in response to uh, preach. Preaching law and gospel is, is all good. You know, that is, that is how you need to go. But um, understanding that people on the other end have feelings and that we need to bring it with compassion is something that I think people forget when they, when they keep communicating online, you know, through a Facebook status or through Twitter or, you know, that kind of thing. And it's really easy to do that, <clears throat> especially to be more caustic in our responses or our defenses when other people are being uh, caustic towards us. It, it's easy to stoop to their level be like, um, well, these people oh, yeah. are being jerks to me. You know, I can be yeah. terse with them. You know, they don't deserve my compassion, but we are held to a much Penny higher... Penny on the cheek, right? Yeah, we're held to a much higher standard. Um, and, you know, fighting fire with fire is not, you know, the Christ-like way, certainly. It's definitely natural, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it feels right to, to us, but, man, I wish it didn't. <laughs> follow follow your heart timmy okay oh, heart, what you... <laughs> oh dear dude i cannot count the number of commercials i've seen of companies who are like featuring kids on tv talking about like i'm so excited i get to be myself and it's like all in movies and stuff i know you know like the be yourself campaign oh man i do not want to be myself i don't like myself i suck <laughs> and the, the other thing we say to kids is you can be anything you want to be yeah but until you know, until you actually know who you're created to be, probably the person you want to be isn't the person that you really want to be. If you know what I mean? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Um, but anyway, I was just going to say, Derek, I I agree um, with what you're saying there, and you know, I think it's really sad. I, to me, sort of the opposite extreme. Well, hold on. What I hear you saying is discipleship necessarily involves relationship. 
nine times out of 10, right? I mean, maybe there are exceptions. Yeah. Surely there are. Um, but, you know, if you're going to make disciples, if you're going to teach people to follow Christ, typically that involves some sort of relationship. Not saying that that can't take place on the internet. It probably does. Um, I think it has for me a time or two. But, you know, nine times out of 10, it, it involves relationship. And, and I totally agree with you wholeheartedly there. I think the flip side extreme that I don't like either is those folks who are fond of posting things like, um, <laughs> or actually I shouldn't say it's the folks, I should say it's when folks post uh, things like, man, uh, it's a good thing you posted that Facebook post or God wouldn't have saved that guy. Yeah. You know, you've yeah. seen those. Yep. And that's sort of the opposite extreme that's not really helpful either. It, mm -hmm. Like it's not that we should totally remove uh, preaching the gospel from social media. That's not the answer either. Right, right. I agree. Yeah. And the other thing, I guess another thing to say on that is that we don't always get this right. We we have said this before, um, but for those people listening, it's kind of like other a couple other podcasts we listen to that have disclaimers. Like, we're not saying that we always are perfect at this. This is something that I think all Christians need to keep an eye on because there is a tendency to go back to the sin nature that Ben mentioned at the start. Um, I know I had a, a, a thing pop up on my Facebook feed last night. We can cut this out, but I'm just out of interest. I had something pop up on my feed last night from my local cinema. Um, I live in a, a coastal town, so about 15,000 people, um, and the cinema is like an old retro one. And they were, they're hosting next Thursday night a medium who for two hours or something is going to get in touch with people's dead relatives who are in the audience and tell them what they want to say to them. And they're charging, oh. $40, they're charging $40 a head and they give you a complimentary glass of champagne on arrival. And I, it came up in my feed and I just went, I go to that cinema when, like when, when Star Wars came out, I went twice within a week to see Star Wars. It's where I go if I don't need to see something in 3D or whatever. And I don't need to sit in really fancy seats. Um, and, and I just went, hmm, you know, the boycotting thing came to mind. And I was like, well, I'm not really into boycotting, <laughs> but it's pretty easy for me to drive to a different cinema. Yeah. And if this is the kind of thing that they're going to support, then. So I just made a comment that I probably won't keep supporting the cinema if they hold these kinds of events. And then someone responded um, and said, why do you, what's your problem with the event, essentially? Um, and she actually picked up on one of the words I used. And that made me go, hang on. Uh, when I now respond to her, if I respond to her, I want to respond graciously and I want to respond in a way that um, doesn't show me as a as an arrogant fundamentalist widow who mm. she then can just write off and put in the Christian box as something mm. she doesn't want to have anything to do with. And yep. so, I, I, I spent a bit That's of time good. just reading through what she wrote and, and ended up sort of just responding in terms of, um, you know, the reason that I made the comment at all was just because, you know, I I've believe and I've found that that hope comes from um, having a relationship with the spirit of the God who created us mm -hmm. um, rather than trying to get in touch with other spirits um, through, you know, dangerous and, and potentially deceptive means and whatever. So, um, but it, it was, a, it, it came back again at the end to the hope and the comfort that's found in the real spirit of the spirit of God. Mm -hmm. um, and just sort of pointing her to that in a gentle way rather than sort of smacking her over the head with it. To, to put on, to add on to your comment about, you know, none of us are going to, do this right or, or none of us are, are perfect we're not but yeah there was a comment i i posted or there was a there was a facebook status i posted just like i don't know last week or, or no earlier this week it was very politically charged because i'm i'm 
a bit of a fan for the third party, you know, this coming, uh, this coming election. And I worded it in a way I probably, I probably should have worded it better. Although I wanted to make, make it passionate. I'm, I'm not good at this stuff either. I'm still working on this, but yeah, these are the things we need to think about. Yeah. And it's fine to keep thinking it through. Um, uh, and, we probably won't make this confessions of a tech reformation host or anything, but needless to say, it is something that, that we all as hosts are, are still, um, yeah, being sanctified on as well. Um, just, I we guess, certainly in terms don't want to be keyboard warrior Christians now, do we? That's right. Um, I guess in terms of wrapping up, uh, I think I'd really want to point people to the how should Christians comment online, um, article for a practical response, um, they have some really good tips in terms of um, basically three things. We should respond seldom, um, slowly, and graciously. And in what way they're saying that we should um, we should be thankful, um, we should be gracious, thankful, um, encouraging, clarifying, and gently correcting. Um, and so there's just some tips there. They they apply scripture. Um, so if you are interested in this topic, um, check out that article. Uh, the other thing I thought that we need to be aware of as we um, sort of bring this topic to a close, uh, Jeff Durbin posted a status update um, on Thursday afternoon uh, that I thought was quite interesting. He said he is paraphrasing Luke 645 um, for the modern age, but he, he basically said if the Messiah was ministering in 2016, this is what he'd say, the good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. But for out of the abundance of his heart, his fingers type. Um, and it's, you know, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Um, but in, in our day and with the technology that we use often, um, it's out of our abundance of our heart. Like Ben said, the keyboard warrior tendency uh, is a real one and it's one that we as Christians should be should be sort of turning from. Um, and and that I found it really interesting. In one of the articles, it talked about, I guess, looking at Jesus as an example, as the ultimate example, um, and the fact that he actually he actually didn't always feel the need to respond. He he showed restraint. He showed that he had freedom um, to to not have to respond to things. Um, and that's that's not the way that we feel, but it all the time, but it does say that Jesus felt this freedom maybe because he knew who he was from the very beginning of his ministry. He absolutely knew who he was and what he was here to do. Um, at every moment of his earthly life and ministry, he was completely confident in his identity and mission. Um, and so we feel the need to respond in such situations because we lack the same assurance and confidence. Um, so basically just reminding us that if we um, center ourselves in or, you know, understand fully, um, as fully as we can, who we are in Christ and what he's done for us um, and and that we are to follow his example, um, then that should stand us in fairly good stead in terms of how we should interact with other people online. Okay, guys, I actually have a well-thought-out reco this week. Oh boy. What is it? Well, um, as Craig mentioned earlier, I'm, I am attending seminary currently. I am discerning right now with, um, pastors and elders at my church, whether or not the Lord would have me be a preacher and a pastor. 
uh, one day, and I found recently a podcast uh, for folks who might be in a similar similar boat called Preaching and Preachers, uh, in which they talk about that, and it's by uh, Jason K. Allen, the guy, the uh, seminary president over at Midwestern, I believe. Um, and so I would heartily recommend that podcast. It's great. Uh, it's relatively new, only a few episodes out. Um, but if you're interested in the art of preaching, it's one of the best resources I've seen out there in podcast form, certainly. Um, but I wanted to spe- especially recommend an episode, the most recent one, I believe. I think it's number 14. I've got a link in the show notes with um, D.A. Carson. He had D.A. Carson on, and it's basically just reflections on 40 years of ministry. Um, and it was very encouraging and very uplifting and very awesome um, and Christ-exalting. And I, I wanted to... I really value my own recommendation because I want people... Like, when I give a recommendation... If it's a bad one, then you will think that my recommendations suck. And I don't want you to think that um, because I want you to take the recommendation, which is why I'm recommending it in the first place. That's how recommendations work. So I'm going to try and start giving reasons for my recommendations. And for this one, I have two, specifically the D.A. Carson episode. Number one, there's a moment, and sorry if these are spoilers, it'll be better when you listen to it, where he's talking about how he was interviewing um, Carl F.H. Henry and another guy whose name I should know, but I don't. Um, and he was talking about how typically theologically astute people become very prideful and can kind of be mean. And he was asking them why that's not the case for them. Um, why have they maintained humility? And he actually says, I don't want you to tell me it's the grace of God. I know it's the grace of God. I want to know how that's been manifested specifically in your life, which we tend to do as reformed people because we want to give credit to God, which is, is absolutely a good thing, Mm -hmm. but it's not the question he was asking. And so, uh, they're silent for a second. Because he told, he basically took away their answer. And uh, they're silent for a second. And Carl F.H. Henry just mumbles uh, or whispers kind of quietly, how can you be arrogant when you're standing beside the cross? And I was just like, oh, oh my man. gosh, that's amazing. Uh, yeah, it's amazing. Um, Mic drop. And then reason number two, sorry, this is a long reco. Reason number two, um, <laughs> he's talking about how do you maintain a love for the, the word at the end? And basically, he says, if you want to have a lifetime of ministry of the word to others, you've got to be constantly receiving ministry of the word uh, from the Lord in your life. And so, if you're not if you're not going back to the word uh, for fresh insight from God, then you're not going to have anything to tell the people after a certain amount of time. And that was just really encouraging to me personally um, in terms of spiritual disciplines, uh, especially with regard to the, the Bible. So, wanted to recommend that episode. Sorry, that was a kind of long one. Maybe I won't do one next week. <laughs> no, you're it's good. Fine. You're good. I enjoy your echoes. I'm going to go for something far less religious, um, <laughs> <laughs> which is also great. <laughs> so one of my coworkers uh, gave me a tip on on this album this week. Uh, it is a rock opera called Act Two, The Father of Death. This is by the Proto Men. And this, why this is interesting, is because the, the Proto Men, which is the band, uh, basically took the Mega Man series and crafted a, uh, a backstory to it and made it a rock opera. And so I don't actually know anything about Mega Man, so I probably won't enjoy this as much as people who actually love the Mega Man series, but I still really <laughs> enjoyed it. I'm a sucker for, so- for rock operas. Um, so yeah, definitely check that out. Uh, and if if you have, I am I actually don't know that many rock operas, but I know that I enjoy them. So if you have any recommendations of rock operas for me to listen to, because I only have like three weeks left on my Apple Music trial, so I gotta you know get my 
get my money out of that one. Um, <laughs> tweet me at, uh, at tweet me at the Derek Mast on Twitter. D e r e k m a s t. The Derek Mast. The Derek. Not Mast. the other one. Right. The one and only. Someone took Derek Mast, and someone took the Mast, and because the Mast is is the handle that I like to use, but you know, at the Mast hasn't actually tweeted for like six years, which is you're not bitter. I'm a little bitter. <laughs> if there's someone at Twitter who listens to this show, they could get me that Twitter handle. I would be forever in your debt. I'm sure there are people at Twitter who listen to this show just hoping that we'll ask them to give us our old Twitter handles back. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, anyway, I'm going to recommend um, something that's kind of a follow-up to a tech you should use I did a little while ago. And I think I've done a record as well. I use Pocket Casts as my um, podcast catcher and they have... Just recently, I think it was this week, it was a couple of days ago that I downloaded an update that I think they called version 6.0. And I think that's, I don't know, but I think that's a joke. Like, I think it's quite a jump from what version they were actually up to numerically, but I could be wrong. Anyway, what I do know is they've been wanting to update the app for a long time. A couple of updates for their other apps sort of got in the way of that. And they basically decided that they wanted to do um, a big release all at once and sort of improve a whole stack of things um, rather than just doing sort of incremental bug, fi- bug fixes and new features and stuff. So, they've done this huge chunky update uh, and it is fantastic. So, um, if you are unhappy with your podcast catcher, um, definitely check it out. And you can star episodes and stuff, which is similar to Overcast. Um, but I'm not going to start a fight between Overcast users and podcast users. <laughs> oh, no, it's fine. I'm, I'm- Use whatever you want, but... I'm enjoying it. I'm actually probably going to buy Pocket Casts now that they've finally released Woo-hoo! this update and try it out. Whoa! We got to talk about that in more detail soon. <laughs> it looks super sweet. So It is. It's amazing. Craig, did you see the, t- the hashtag TYSK tweet that I tweeted out, I think, today about that? Uh, not yet, no. Why is that? Well, because I said Craig will be so happy. <laughs> <laughs> well, you were right. Yep. It is I did good. not know it's, you were going to talk about it on this episode. That's so perfect. Yeah, it looks it looks really really good, and I've I've downloaded it and I've started using um, it already. So yeah, definitely keen to um, explore some of the new features and stuff. Um, yeah, it looks good. That is awesome. And if you would like to connect with us, you can do so by jumping in our Slack team. Sign up at slack.techreformation.com. And you can visit our website techreformation.com to search for past shows and topics. Just use the tags. Um, and see what else is there. You can listen to episodes there as well and donate if you really want to to help us keep the podcast running. We are a part of the Theology Mix Network. Uh, The website and the iTunes link are down in the show notes. You can find some other fantastic uh, theology-based or tangentially related uh, podcasts on there. Um, I found several podcasts that I've been listening to consistently since then, so check it out. Don't forget to review us on iTunes and recommend us on Overcast and on Pocket Casts. Indeed, indeed. And if you have not um, changed the, if you have not uh, deleted your subscription and resubscribed to us, if you've uh, subscribed to us since before, like two months ago, uh, do that because our feed will be changing soon. And if you don't uh, do that, then you know you may not end up being able to get us anymore, and you'll have to hunt us down and add us again. So do that. This has been Tech Reformation. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next week.
Well, escape, escape, I don't even know issues, what I was saying. Escape, escape, issues, Just cut out whatever I was saying. Do that, do that, it probably do was that, do not that, relevant. Do. We'll be right back. We're having technical difficulties. This is the after the credits part. Do that, do that, do that, do that, do that. It's like when... It's like when something really awesome happens and you realize that it's really awesome and then you think about, man, I'm in this really awesome moment in the moment and one day I'm going to think about this in the, the future and I'm going to be like, remember that past moment that was so awesome? I'm in that moment right now, except that it's about after the credits for Tech Reformation. Like when you're recording an episode and you're like, oh, this is the after the credits part. We're in it. <laughs>